0: Hello. Welcome to the second episode of Blame It on the Aliens. I'm your host. And I know this podcast is just now kicking off. So instead of doing part two, I just wanted to go ahead and release um, a second episode that gave more of a vibe of what the show is going to be like, um, reading general creepy stories from Reddit. This particular episode is going to be Based off of Glitch in the Matrix stories. The last episode was part one of a series from No Sleep subreddit. So Very creepy. If you haven't listened, go ahead and listen to that one. But this one I think gives a general overview of the type of stories that I will be covering. And if you have a personal story to share, go ahead and email it at blame it on the aliens podcast at gmail.com. I would love to read your story. And Yeah, without further ado, let's get into episode number two. Itchy husband. I'm a newlywed. We'd been married less than a month when I woke up at 5.30 a.m. next to my husband's sleeping form and saw a notification on my phone. It was a text from him. Sam, with the heart, sent at midnight. Sam, who is this? Now, I'm pretty sure that Sam was stretched out next to me, snoring away at midnight. I'm a light sleeper, and it's likely I would have woken if he had gotten out of bed or turned on his phone. Still, stranger things have happened. I figured he was playing a weird joke on me or something, and I decided to play along and wrote back, Who is this? Seconds later, Sam. I asked you first. I could feel Sam pressed against my right side, warm and breathing regularly. I looked at his nightstand and confirmed that his phone was still there, dark and silent. Me, seriously, who is this? Why are you coming up on my phone under one of my contact names? Sam, what name am I under? Me, obviously there's some crossed wire somewhere. We don't know each other. Sam, are you in blank town I live in? Yes, are you? Sam, yes. Me, okay, there you go. Wires are crossed. It's weird, but I'm sure it happens. Sam, I mean, we must live near each other. What street are you on? Trying to change the subject because I definitely do not want to tell this person the street that I'm on. Do I come up on your phone under someone else's name? Sam, I was looking through my contacts and I did see one that I didn't remember creating under the name Wi Fi with the heart, but with the carrot and the three next to it. Oh, LOL, well, I was just curious who this is. I live on Violet Street, by the way. I went cold. My husband's nickname for me is Wi Fi, but pronounced Wifey. It's a silly inside joke that no one knows about but us, so I had thought. And we live on Violet Street, and we both make the little heart with the carrot and the three next to each other's name. And something about this person's writing style was so familiar. I confirmed that my husband was still slumbering next to me. His phone was still on the nightstand. Someone was fucking with me. I turned my phone off, got up, and got ready for work. Later that morning, I showed the text to Sam, who was baffled. His phone had no messages on it. He texted me to test things out, and his message, hi, popped up right underneath the last message that the other Sam had sent to me. I assumed it was somebody playing a joke on me. or Maybe it was some kind of technical glitch. But the days have passed, and I keep thinking, what if that was Sam? The Sam in an alternative reality where we never met? My husband and I have texted each other since with no problems, but I don't know. I tried to put the incident out of my head, but but yesterday I started scrolling up to find the messages. They're gone. I did not delete them. They're just gone. If this is another Sam in a different reality, am I there too? If... I ever hear from him again should I tell him to find me I love him so much and I want all versions of us to be happy update it's been over a year since this happened I appreciate the gold strange things have continued to happen on that particular phone I got a new phone several months ago but keep the old one charged up to check Facebook I just don't want it on the new phone Since being disconnected from service, the old phone has still received occasional text messages from my parents, my husband, my best friend, and my boss. When I've asked about the messages, the senders either don't remember sending them or sent them months ago. I am still baffled if this is indeed an alternate reality, glitch or retcon thing, or a genuine technical issue. Thoughts are appreciated. Okay, the title of this one is, Your Gut is Trying to Tell You Something. Mike and I met about four years ago through a mutual friend. I was so exhausted with the apps by that point, so I jumped at the chance to get to know an attractive and smart guy in person. He and I hit it off, and we've been together ever since. Last month, we decided to move in together. The timing just felt right for both of us, and so the rental search began. Now, the city we live in is pretty big, and unfortunately, market rates are outrageous. He and I have run into issues finding something in our ideal budget. Neither of us can justify the going rate for most one- to two-bedroom places. Most of our friends live near the city, and our goal was to do the same but we were flexible and could compromise for the right property. When Mike found a three-story townhouse under market value and within reasonable proximity to our social stratosphere, we both, of course, thought it was way too good to be true. This has to be a scam. No way this is a legitimate rental, Mike mused while scratching his forehead. He and I were curled up in my bed, snacks everywhere, combing through any promising listing online. I leaned over and commented with the same level of skepticism. Yeah, $1,300 for an entire house? What does it say? Two bedrooms, one bathroom? Three bedrooms, two bathrooms, Mike said. Yeah, right, I responded. Now, after coming through so many rental listings, you start to kind of develop an eye for the bullshit. Any listing with erratic grammar and punctuation is a no. Any listing that requires proof of ID be texted to the owner before you can even see the place is a no. And any listing that has neon text and phone numbers plastered across the pictures is a no. Basically, anything on Craigslist. But we were on Rentler, and so far the the post seemed legit. Pictures were nice and clear. Summary had proper sentence structure and a valid email and a contact number for Crystal, the realtor owner. Where is it? I asked. Mike zoomed out on the listing map. Oh, looks maybe 15 minutes away from Stephen McKenzie, our friends. After laughing about it for a minute and moving on in our search, we eventually circled back. I mean, it couldn't hurt just to get more information, right? So Mike texted Crystal to set up an appointment. Crystal responded within 20 minutes and gave us a couple of times and days that would work for her. Asked Mike to confirm the price in the listing and ask about other utilities, deposit, etc. just to make sure we truly understood the cost in case Crystal accidentally posted the wrong amount. But no, the ad was correct. The day of the viewing came. Mike offered to drive, and so at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday, we piled into his Honda Civic and set off for the property. He and I lived on the west side of town, about 10 minutes from each other. This property was on the east side, so it took about 30 to 40 minutes to arrive. When we were almost there, I took note of the neighborhood. I hadn't been here before, but it seemed like a regular suburban neighborhood, lots of houses. Oh, this road here, McClellan Drive, turn left. I pointed at the street while glancing down at my phone's navigation. We pulled onto an empty residential street. The road continued for a short distance before coming to a dead end. On the right side was a row of five houses with stubby white picket fences. Some driveways looked occupied, but no one was outside. On the left was a tall white fence that ran all the way down to the end. It looked like a gated community with one entrance at the very end of the street. The fence was solid, so I couldn't really see into the community from the street. Google Maps encouraged us forward. We turned into the open entrance and Mike parked a short distance past the gate onto another empty road. The gated community only consisted of about six townhouses in a row facing us. We turned into basically a developmental lot. Of the six townhouses, only two looked occupied. The house at the opposite end had one vehicle parked in their driveway and one house in the middle of the clubhouse with the giant flag repping Edmonton Oilers. No, we were, did not live in Edmonton. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. The house at the opposite end had one vehicle parked in the driveway and one house in the middle of the cluster had a giant flag repping Edmonton Oilers. No, we do not live in Edmonton. Our destination was for the end unit closest to us. Strange, no vehicle was parked out front, but the garage is closed. Maybe Crystal parked inside. Seems oddly empty, asked Mike. We arrived precisely at 2 p.m. Yeah, like eerily empty. Didn't realize this was for a new development. Still, that price is unbeatable, huh? Let me check in with Crystal and see if she's here. Mike pulled out his phone from his pocket and noticed two missing texts from about 15 minutes earlier. Crystal, I'm on site, 1.37 p.m. Crystal, feel free to walk in when you get here and holler. I'm just putting cookies in the oven, 1.45 p.m. Guess we can just walk in? Mike looked over at me and he could tell what I was thinking. While we were checking his phone, I continued to survey the scene. We were parked directly facing the rental unit. We had a clear view of the entire line of townhouses and their windows. Each unit had a basement, main level, and upper level. And each unit had one to two front-facing windows. Strange, the unit we were supposed to tour had curtains or blinds covering every window. I hesitated with my hand on the passenger door. Why would Crystal have all the windows closed on a sunny day when she has potential renters coming by? I squinted at the basement window. Did its curtains just move? Mike agreed. Yeah, that is weird. His phone lit up again and he looked down to read the new text. Crystal. Hey, I see you two just got here. Hope y'all like chocolate chip cookies. Okay, little creepy. Did you even see her head poke out? He looked at me inquisitively, but my eyes were still fixed on the basement window. I broke my gaze off the house to check my side mirror. From my side, I had a perfect view of the gate behind us. Black bars, tall. I couldn't see a keypad on the exterior, so I wondered if there was a remote control or something. Crystal must have opened it during tours. My eyes went back to the house. Oh, there again. Did you just see that? I nodded towards the house, my eyes on the basement window. Someone had parted the curtain just for a moment. Someone was watching us. Why were they in the basement? Mike looked directionless at the property, uncertain what I, what I was even referring to. My stomach was starting to twist. I did not like this. Mike, I said quietly and calmly, I think we should go. Fortunately, he didn't even need much convincing. He nodded. Before we could even shift into reverse, his phone lit up once again. New text from Crystal. Crystal. Quit being a tease. Come in. Mike let out a short gasp, threw his phone into the cup holder and muttered, What the fuck? I felt like I was going to throw up. I heard a low mechanical whir somewhere outside and looked back at my side mirror. My eyes All I could muster was a quiet, urgent plea. The gate is closing. Move. Mike sprung into action. He shifted into reverse and backed the fuck out of there in just enough time to clear whatever hell awaited us inside that house. As we sped away from the gated community down McClellan Drive, I felt bile rising in my throat. The neighbors had come out, each house, Each white picket fence now had an occupant standing behind it. Some men, some women, all staring menacingly at us. They just stood there. I noticed their heads turning towards us as in the rearview mirror. Wait. I noticed their heads turning towards us in the rearview mirror as we flew by, stares fixed on us. Mike mutters, turns into shouts. What the fuck? What the fuck? We were doing about 20 over for God knows how long. I could hear his phone vibrating over and over in the cup holder. Mike drove and drove for what felt like an eternity. Our only direction was away, far, far away. Eventually, after managing to not vomit all over my lap, I urged him to pull into the nearest grocery store. We sat in the lot of a target for who knows how long. When I finally broke out of my trance, I realized his phone hadn't stopped vibrating. We looked at each other, then down at his phone. Mike picked it up and found not one, not two, but seven missed texts from Crystal. Crystal. Quit being a tease. Come in. Crystal. Crystal. I said, come in. We're waiting for you. Crystal, we're all here to say hi. We can't wait to meet you. Crystal, we can't wait to meet you. Come in. Crystal, runners make my skin crawl. Runners make my skin sweat. Runners make my skin sweet. But the last text made us both sick to our stomach. It was a GPS pin of our current location, the Target parking lot, sent seemingly before we even arrived. This location was not planned. It was by chance that we ended up here. We had to keep moving. Before we even had the chance to shift and to drive, my phone chimed. Mike and I froze. I shakily pulled my phone out of my pocket and looked down at the screen. The bile was back, unknown. Nowhere to go but here, including a picture taken from the exterior of the rental property. The camera pointed at the basement window, and the curtains were now parted. Someone was there. Someone with greasy hair and pale skin, with the widest inhumane grin I've ever seen. They were pressed up against the glass as if we were both anxiously awaiting for something. They were waiting for us or someone. Still freaks me out to this day, and I have never told anyone this except my girlfriend. So I guess a little context is in order. My girlfriend and I had been together about a year at that time, never had big problems. We are both pretty relaxed people. Never had a big fight, never had trust issues, the whole shenanigan. So one day, I was out front of my apartment building smoking a cigarette. This was before we lived together. I had seen her the night before, had a nice dinner, gone out to a bar, then gone home to my place, after which she took a taxi home. So, as I'm standing out in the front of my apartment building, she pulls up in a taxi. I was not expecting her and was pleasantly surprised to see her. I put out my cigarette, smiled, and walked up saying something like, Hey, what are you doing here? She scours at me and slaps me square across my jaw. Obviously, I'm dumbfounded and at a loss for words, so I just kind of looked at her. She never said anything. She just barged past me into the building. I followed her up to my apartment, asking her what was happening the whole way. She goes into the apartment, grabs her bag and some of her stuff she left there, throws a few things at me, breaking a glass or two and knocking down a bunch of stuff off a shelf. She calls me a pig, says she knows everything and that I've broken her heart. I'm trying to figure out what's going on, obviously. And she stops on her way out when I touch her sleeve. She glares at me again and slaps me. She tells me something like, I hope I never see you again, and walks out. I followed her to the street and she got in her cab and drove off. The street was pretty empty. I mean, this was maybe 8 or 9 a.m., and I watched her drive off. At this point, I'm just at a loss for words, scared and sad. Then, as I'm watching the cab drive away, someone hugs me from around the waist from behind. I turn around and it's Her, in running clothes. She was wearing heels and a leather jacket before. I went completely pale. She said, hi, in her usual happy-go-lucky tone. Then noticed my look and said, what's wrong? I spun around. No taxi. It had literally driven away five seconds earlier. No way it could have turned in that time and all the lights were red. I didn't say anything, just ran upstairs. Her bag was gone. Things were still broken. My door was still wide open. So then I told her. We were both monumentally confused. There is no way I could have mixed her up with someone else. And she's an only child. We had security check the cameras, and sure enough, my girlfriend wait, we had security check the cameras, and sure enough, me following a girl to my apartment. The angles weren't great and the film wasn't great quality, but it was pretty easy to see me in my face. But hers was always hard to make out. Looked a hell of a lot like her, but never a clear shot. No way it was the same girl. This still creeps me the fuck out and we don't talk about it. Edit. Someone in the comments made me realize I should have added this to the follow-up. We did file a police report. They came, gathered up all the broken stuff, and found only my fingerprints and my girlfriend's fingerprints on them. Same with my door. And this girl got into the building herself, which means she knew my door code. Her typing it in is on the security footage. I just hope I never see her again. Edit two, I brought this up in a conversation with a professor at Columbia who is a family friend about the situation, hypothetically not wanting to sound like a fool. He teaches something like philosophy and other things to do with superstition and explaining the unexplainable. One of his explanations was very close to this. Somehow a mirror of our world running a nearly identical timeline folded over ours or collided with ours temporarily. Maybe, for example, she saw me at the night, at the bar the night before with another girl who was actually my girlfriend, but didn't see her face and decided to break up with me the next morning, coming to my apartment to do so. Then the amount of a disturbance that resulted in caused our worlds, caused our two worlds to break apart as she drove away. I'm not really one to believe in those things, but after this, I don't consider anything impossible. Also, it just makes me wonder if that's true. How much did that fuck up this mirror world? Things can't possibly be the same there now. I mean, she broke up with me. I don't know. It's a lot to think about. Thanks to everyone for the theories and suggestions. This is the first time my girlfriend and I have gone into thinking about this in a while. And this is the first time we've been able to think about it without being really shaken or scared. It's sort of fun, actually. So keep it coming. I'm trying to make sure I get back to everyone unless you post something that's already been said. So be sure to read. It's been awesome so far. If I fall asleep again, I'll get back to you in the morning. Thanks again. Alrighty. God, I'm such a mom. The title of this post is Missing Four Hours and Ended Up on a Military Base. About 20 years ago, my best friend and myself went to Ridgecrest, California for a party. The party ended up being a 50th wedding anniversary, and we were improperly dressed for it. We ate at the banquet hall, left to the home of my friend's cousin. We left a short time later, headed back to Bakersville, and I was sitting in the driver's seat. She was in the passenger seat, and we began to enter the freeway on-ramp. That was the last memory either of us had until four hours later. I just think of every time I see like something, something four hours later or whatever hours later, I'm like, four hours later from SpongeBob. But that's, that's another note. I kind of woke up, but I didn't feel like I was sleeping. I more or less became aware of our surroundings and that I was in the passenger seat. I looked over at my friend and her eyes were staring into the dark distance. Quickly, I realized we had, we had somehow ended up on a dirt road. I yelled her name and she kind of snapped back into reality. There was a chain link fence along the driver's side of the car with barbed wire on top. The road was graded, but the surrounding field was not. For some reason, we were going 30 or 40 miles per hour down this dirt road, and we started freaking out. Almost immediately, we drove right up to the white sign about 20 by 30. It had large red and black letters. The top portion read, Warning. The bottom, Active Land Mine Field." I screamed for us to turn around, and my friend hit a U-turn in the ditch as we both screamed at the top of our lungs. By this point, we were both in full panic. We have no idea where we are, how this happened, where we were going, but we are moving. She's driving 50 or 60 miles per hour in the Tahoe, headed the opposite direction. We traveled maybe two minutes max. Suddenly, we see lights from every direction approaching us just as fast as we are going, if not faster. When they got within 100 yards of, or so, they turned on their sirens and we realized it was the police. Military police. We had somehow ended up deep inside a military base. They came driving through ungraded desert to stop us. We were removed from the vehicle, two 20-something-year-old girls in party clothes sobbing. The military police asked us how we got there. They asked us what gate we had come in. They kept us in the back of the wait no. <laughs> they kept us in the desert for hours. My friend was put into the back of the police car for a good portion of it, while I sat on the dirt, leaned against the fence. They ran our names, discovered my friend had someone write a bad review on her account a few counties away, but nothing else. We were questioned, and finally, after four hours, we were released. They escorted us out of the gate. We realized we were now on the north side of the city, but when we had left originally from her cousins, we were on the south side of Ridgecrest. We went home, told maybe five or six people who all either assumed we were totally crazy or lying. We stopped telling it until recently when I told my fiance. Then I made a TikTok, which way more people watched than I expected. So here I am. I need to find that. We were not on any type of psychedelic drugs. We both share the same memory, including the time lapse. If I had been alone in the car, I would have thought it was a dream. It was the scariest experience of my life. I would not have posted this, but okay, that's it. It was the scariest experience of her life. All right, the title of this one is My Wife Survived Her Strokes. Then she hadn't. Then she had again. Da, da, da. So eight years ago, my wife had her first stroke and was hospitalized for over a week. I never left her side. Despite a huge setback caused by an incompetent nurse, she'd taken my wife's blood pressure while she was sleeping, and it was normal. Severe high blood pressure caused by stress was the diagnosis. So she would pushed for my wife to be released the next day. But when she woke up, her blood pressure shot back up. Yeah, bro. What? Nah. You don't take someone's blood pressure while they're fucking sleeping. I'm not even a nurse, and I know that. Not that I know everything. I could kill someone in an instant if I was trying to be a nurse. No. Anywho. The nurse tried to give her several injections and pills to bring it back down so she could be released, and the stress of it all, possibly plus the meds, caused her largest stroke yet. One of her eyes looked like it was going to pop out of her head, she was incoherent, and it was terrifying. Her mom and I were both in the room. She was stabilized and released about two weeks later. At home, I became her constant caretaker, which I am to this day. A month or so later, I went out to get groceries. I did this in my wife in my car, which was a black Honda Element. It's important to know that my mother-in-law also drove an Element, but it was orange. I loaded the groceries into the car and drove home. My wife's mother came out to meet me. We lived with her mom after her dad had passed away in 2010, in a panic, asking where I had been. I was confused. I went out to get my wife and I some food, Mom. Then she looked, the look she gave me was absolute pity and grief. She called back into the house to my wife's adopted brother, who was also living there. It happened again. Come help get him inside. Then she looked at me, hugged me, and said softly, crying a little, Honey, she passed in the hospital a month ago. We were both there. You sold your car to pay for her funeral. That's why you've been borrowing mine. What? My brother-in-law came out, and they tried to get me inside as the full weight of reality hit me. My wife was dead, not waiting for me in our room with our cat. She was dead and I would never see her again. As the screen door closed behind us, when they got me inside, I felt a jarring sensation. Oh my God. Suddenly, I was back in the car, the black one, in the parking lot at the grocery store, having just pulled the driver's door closed with some force. That was the jarring sensation. I looked in the rear view. Groceries. This was definitely our car. I pulled out my cell phone and called my wife. I woke her up from a nap and told her what I had just experienced. She was freaked out but comforted me and reiterated that she was okay and that I'd see her when I got home, which I did. I don't know what T-L-D-R, wait. I'm not sure what that that stands for. I once came back from shopping to find my stroke survival... I once came back from shopping to find my stroke survivor wife had not, in fact, survived her strokes. I had not been driving the car I was driving. And apparently, since she had died, I'd taken to spacing out. But then I was back in the right car, groceries in the back, and a li- and a live wife waiting at home. That is so weird. No, that, that, that's a good one. Okay. People are commenting my mom passed away last year and I've had so many very realistic dreams where she's still here and I run to her and hug her and she tells me it's okay, she's not going anywhere. I used to wake up hysterical after remembering she really was gone, but now I welcome any dreams I can get with her. Okay. Don't dis- discredit this man's experience, Betty. This man had a glitch in the matrix. Why are you on this subreddit if you don't believe? Okay, I get that feeling. I kept hoping I would wake up when my aunt passed suddenly in 26. This isn't denial, people. It's a glitch in the matrix. Okay. These people suck. Like, Why are you on this subreddit if you're just going to give rational advice? The whole point of this is to fuel the conspiracy theory. Okay. You're no fun. Thank you. Next. I believe you, sir. You had a glitch in the matrix. That's all. The women in my family know things that we couldn't possibly know. Sometimes we know things that are literally impossible for us to know. The main three are me, my mom, and my daughter. It's not like a psychic thing. We can't control it. In my experience, it's like taking a test you studied really hard for And you're really confident in your answer. My mom's thing is safety. She always knows when someone's in danger or someone's gonna get hurt or someone needs help. She's called me as something was happening before to ask me if that exact thing was happening. My thing is people. I am never wrong about people. My daughter's thing is pregnancy, she can always tell when someone's pregnant. Mom's example. My parents got married at 19. I was born a year later. And when they were about 22, my mom was pregnant with my baby brother. And my dad wanted to go to a concert. Mom said she didn't want him to. She said she knew he was going to get hurt. Dad told her he'd be fine. She was probably just anxious because of me and being pregnant with my brother. And he wouldn't be out too late. Now, at that age, my dad had a hot temper but a spotless driving record. So she should have been worried about him getting to a fight or something, but no. She said she just knew he was going to be in a wreck. He insisted he'd be fine. She finally agreed, but made him promise to wear his seatbelt. He did. And on his way home from the concert, there was a long, empty, boring stretch of road. He was alone, and he fell asleep at the wheel going 70 miles per hour and wrecked into a tree. He would have died if he wasn't wearing his seatbelt. My example. My sister became friends with this girl, and before I even met her, I didn't like her. My sister said she was fun, happy, bubbly. She got mad at me because I said, look, she's going to overwhelm you really fast, and when you tell her you need a break, she's going to threaten suicide. She told me it was ridiculous to assume that. And I said, I'm not assuming. I'm telling you. I know that's what's going to happen. She said I was just jealous. Sure enough, two months later, my sister calls me losing her shit because, dude, how did you know that? How did you know she was going to do that? She told me this girl needed some space. Wait, she told this girl she needed some space and the girl said, I'm just going to kill myself then because no one wants to be around me. She didn't kill herself and my sister no longer hangs out with her. My daughter's example. I had a friend come over. She announced her pregnancy. My daughter was only three years old. We congratulated her and hung out and talked for a while. When they left, my daughter said, Mama, why did Miss Taylor say she was pregnant? Thinking that she was just wondering what pregnant meant, I said, because she has a baby in her belly. She said, no, Mama, she doesn't. That baby died. My friend called me a few days later to tell me she had had a miscarriage. Another friend came over to hang out. My daughter was only four at this time, and my daughter asked, what are you gonna name your baby? She had been trying to have a baby for about three years at this point with no luck, and she said, "Oh, I'm not having a baby." My daughter said, "Yes, you are. There's a baby in your belly." She found out she was pregnant two weeks later. Full body chills. Full body freaking chills. Kids are so intuitive. Like I'm, I'm not surprised. Because it's like, oh God, this, this is like a bad example and a creepy example. But lately I've been like hearing how you need to listen to your kids if they don't like an adult. Like if they get a bad vibe from someone, you better freaking believe it. The kids know. Kids pick up on way more than we do because they don't know the social norms. We think it's rude to say, that guy's a freaking creep. That guy gave me a weird vibe. You're taught like societally to like trust your like, I think it's not likely that he's a predator. It's not likely that I'm about to be kidnapped. You know what I mean? But kids don't know that yet. They haven't learned that yet. So their intuition is spot freaking on. That's so freaky because like, Kids at three and four don't know what pregnancy even is. They can't even grasp the concept of a baby in your belly. Emerson is three and very smart for her age, and she's like, "Well, when you were a baby in my belly, Mom." I'm like, "No, ma'am. <laughs> I was never a baby in your belly." She said, "Well, when Nini was a baby in your belly, Mom." I'm like, "Nini was never." a baby in my belly. Like I don't know how to explain the concept to her but she does not get it. The fact that this kid is 3. The and saying your baby died, when do you even talk about babies much less dying to a 3-year-old? That's not a coincidence. Uh-uh. I do not like it. I don't like it. And also, I will say I have bad vibes a lot of the time before like going on a trip or something or like things that have happened on trips I had a bad feeling about beforehand. Is that a thing? Can we confirm that? Like, can people like respond or like DM me or something and say like, no, like every time something bad has happened on a trip, like I had a bad feeling going into it, because like you hear about these stories where it's like I have never had a bad feeling going on vacation, and then this one time I had a bad feeling and I got like kidnapped and sex trafficked. And I made it out alive. It's like, what? So okay. So at what point do you trust your gut and say, mm, you're not crazy. This bad feeling's probably real. Because like, it's so irrational to trust your gut in that situation. I'm just saying like, what are you like? I, I'm not going to come because I have a bad vibe. I have a bad feeling about it. That's not a thing. But God, it should be a thing. So let me let me confirm with everybody on that one. Because, woo that freaks me out a lot on a whole nother level no that concludes episode number two glitch in the matrix is one of my all-time favorites and next week i will be back with um parts three and four of the series that i've covered in episode one about the missing sister who returns 15 years later very very creepy gets more intense as the story goes on and yeah that concludes everything so thank you so much for listening and like i said send your stories subscribe hit the notification bell on spotify and yeah, that'll give you updates about my future episodes if you have any suggestions if you have any all-time favorite reddit stories that are similar to this genre 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 whatever send them my way the email will be linked below in the description thanks for listening friends